everybody. It's Brianna Hodges. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Learning Through Uncertainty. I am super excited about today's episode. If you can't tell, we have some smaller human beings with us today. We have some students with us today, as well as their incredible teacher, Dr. Raina Friedman. I am going to uh, actually ask them to introduce themselves and to say what their names are, where they where they're from and kind of what they what they do actually that that last question will probably be more for dr friedman so uh we'll let her kick it off with telling us who she is who she serves and then we'll kick it over to our our smaller our, our not smaller necessarily our, our our shorter friends maybe so there we go all right okay. dr friedman what you got thank you so i am dr Raina friedman and i am a fifth grade teacher in mansfield massachusetts in my 22nd year and I'm also uh, the outgoing president of MassQ as of like in two weeks. And I am an instructional technology specialist kind of on the side. Wonderful. All right, who's going first? Uh, okay, my name is Vihan Trapasi. I live in Manchester, Massachusetts. And um, I just talk some questions. Sure, go ahead. Uh, I like to do soccer. I like math. I love reading. Um, I like to go outside a lot and I like my friends and family. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Maddie, what about you? My name's Maddie McGee. Um, <laughs> oh, where I'm in Mansfield, Massachusetts. Uh, I like to drum. I'm a reader and I like correcting people when they read. The last page of the book, which was the first one. And I think your team Gryffindor, like I, I'm, I'm seeing maybe you might be a little bit of a supporter there. Actually, I'm a Ravenclaw, but they don't <laughs> take Ravenclaw Quidditch Church, so. There we go. Maybe maybe you can you can start something there. Maybe you can kick off a really cool Ravenclaw shirt and get something up and going for us. Well, thank you all three of you for joining us today. Um, we are going to just jump straight in and, and jump into our conversations. So one of the things that we try to, to maybe not think about this too often these days, but let's just admit last year through us some learning curves when it came to, to school and to all those kind of things. So I want you to think about a particular challenge that, that you experienced um, either as a teacher, as, a, as an ed tech, or um, for you guys as, as students. And then I want you to think about how did you tackle that particular challenge? Was you know what was it that you um, that you found useful in adapting to uh, the, the the uncertainties that that came in our environment? So, um, Dr. Freeman, you want to kick it off for us again? Yeah. So I realized my challenge in July before the school year started. How do you engage a class of 23 fifth graders when they're going to be remote? hybrid, and then potentially, which did end up happening um, in person, and be able to create routines that then can shift every time we shifted, right? So like, I didn't have to do like three first days of school, we just kept going. And for me, the to overcome that challenge, everything was created digitally in Google Classroom for students, so they could learn anywhere, anytime, no matter what quarantining, even if they were home, if they were here, they were able to have access to all of their materials. So they didn't need to worry about 
forgetting paper, forgetting assignments, knowing how to do things. I would screencastify things for kids if they needed help. So everything went into Google Classroom as this mega hub. And then one of the things I did from the beginning was, is I um, coded the fonts with the same font for subject for the visual learners and used emojis for all the assignments so the kids would know what was coming up with an emoji guide. I also created um, Google Forms is one of the most, I think, underrated Google tools. We have this bothering box here when we have the physical classroom where kids were being bothered, they could write in a, a little slip and put it in the box. And I made a form and that gave students a direct access to me when they were kind of feeling stuff, right? So even things as simple as that were housed in Google Classroom. So I really shifted. And I think for me, the big push to do that is for people who don't know who I am, I'm actually a stage 3B colon cancer survivor. I was going through chemo and school shut down last March. And one of the things Dana Farber had said is because they didn't know about the virus enough that they didn't want me using a lot of paper with kids. I could come back to school, but not use paper. So that sort of forced me to spend not uh, last summer. So what, 2020, yep. Redoing everything I did and making it digital. And it was the best thing I ever did because it carried right into this year. Challenge for you. Um, I think the most challenging, well, I have two challenging things kind of battled. My two more challenging things were handling masks because nobody was used to that. I mean, who wants to wear an uncomfortable sweaty piece of fabric over your face? Um, but the second challenge was learning in this crazy environment. And I just couldn't comprehend it. I freaked out and I was like, it's me, it's me, I'm so worried. Um, but I think I wasn't the only one to tackle that. I think being Dr. Green's class and having all the tools available was so amazing because she had everything prepared. I mean, she was ready. First day of school, we just jumped in. We didn't have any icebreakers. We just jumped in. We learned each other's names as we went. And it was all fast and she helped us overcome it. And then it felt like we were just a normal class. There was no masks, no COVID, no thinking about like tests or vaccines or viruses, just normal. It was so fun to coast through that. Nice. So some challenges for me was, as she said, masks, learning. But another thing was also like online learning. So we used to do like a lot of paperwork and like lots of writing assignments. But uh, when fifth grade came up, I was like, uh, how am I going to learn? How, how am I going to do this? What's, how is this possible? And then when I came in school, uh, I found out about Google Classroom I didn't know about. But then... So online learning was a little hard at first, but we adapted to it. Masks were also a very big challenge. Like uh, if we're outside, can we take it off? Yeah, we could, but inside it got really sweaty, hot, and no one really wanted masks anymore. And during lunch, we needed a mask usually all the time, except for at the table, only two people per table. And that was a challenge because some people, I mean, they got seats, but it was a challenge to find a seat and all, so, yeah. Well, I, I mean, all of us are definitely learning how to deal with masks. And I think that it's still, you know, after 18 plus months of this, we're still not used to it. And, and I think that that's probably something that we're going to find for a long time. I mean, even if you talk to medical, um, you know, medical personnel, like doctors and nurses who are used to having masks on, dentists, you know, ophthalmologists, all of those different people that are used to having them on, they don't want them on all the time, right? And I think that that's because as humans, we 
we rely on our facial expressions a lot. We rely on, um, you know, being able to, to use our, our, our smiles and our cheeks and, and all that kind of stuff to tell people what we're thinking. And, um, and also just the whole breathing thing, right? Like it gets yucky in there, especially if after lunch, whenever you maybe had a, had a, had a stinky sandwich, maybe you're at, you're tired of your mask kind of coming in. But I, I think that it's, it is normal. I know we don't like to use that word that much these days, but it is pretty normal, I think, for all of us to, to struggle with the masks. That said, it's also one of those things that, that we were talking about earlier. We get used to that because if that means we get to be around our people and we get to learn with, a, with each other, that's a risk that, we, that we're kind of willing to take to, to do that. So yeah, we're lucky. We have um, sound systems here, like a little speaker and um, a mic. So I actually asked for a second mic this year and our speech and language, the head of the audiology here at the district sent me a second mic. So when my kids are sharing, what I noticed was they were less likely to share because we couldn't hear them through the mask, but they're more likely to share when I hand them a microphone. So once, and what I started doing the beginning of the school year, I learned that last year, because we did um, presentations, every child presented once a month. So I saw them present with the microphone. I actually did small presentations at the beginning of the year and like those getting to know you activities. We did do getting to know you activities. Last year, my friends here forgot because they didn't <laughs> remember we dove right in. That was exciting. So the kids here were already used to speaking in with a microphone within the first week of school. So therefore now it's just, if we wanna speak, we just grab the microphones. I love that. Well, and I, I kind of figured you did some get to know you activities, I did. but I think what is so cool about it is that those get to know you activities were pretty much embedded into what you were doing, right? <laughs> Which is cool because so often that's not the case. Like we make it a whole event in itself no. And that's where it gets kind of old and gets kind of like, okay, come on people. But for you yeah, guys, like I love, that. they were with what you're right. They were embedded into everything we did. So to them, we just dove in, but it was all we did. Yeah. I was also kind of surprised when we went back in the classroom, I thought we would like have like online books so it was COVID and like germs and all, and we would be touching books. But I was surprised we got to read actual books and I was like, yay. It was like, <laughs> yeah. In, yeah, in sixth grade, the first two weeks were icebreakers. Yeah, icebreakers. Not kidding. Yeah. Two weeks full of icebreakers because there are seven different periods in a day. But the thing is, you know all the people in your class right away, yeah, because you've been with them since like first grade. Because mm -hmm. uh, we have a weird school system. We have two elementary schools, so everybody knows everybody from the Robinson. Yeah, yeah we're a campus setting, so we have a K one two, a three four five, and the middle and high school is across the street and the preschools across town. So you travel with your with your peer groups a lot. My kids are in the same situation. They have two grade levels at every school. And, and I think that that's, I love that you're saying that because that's a great reminder to all of us as educators is that a lot of times, you know, this happens a lot of times for adults. Like a lot of times we make it for us. Like a lot of times those icebreakers are really for us as adults because we might not know you as well as your peers know you. But if we are sneaky and we embed it into what you're learning, we as adults actually get to learn more yeah. about you than we do if we force you to, to share, you know, what your favorite um, soup is or whatever the question is for, for that icebreaker. So I really appreciate you guys being so honest about that because that is really helpful for us. Um, and I think it's important because if you haven't heard this, I know Dr. Friedman has heard this out and about in the education world, is that 
we are all so very nervous because of masks and because of remote learning and things like that, that we're nervous that um, we, we want to put a huge focus on relationships and we want to make sure that you understand as learners that you are valued and you're appreciated. And sometimes that gets a little heavy into um, in, into uh, some of those those activities because we want so much for for our students to understand that we're there for you no matter what. And um, and so so I just share that with you so that you don't think that they're they're slacking on you. They just want to show you how much they care about you and that they want to let you know that they're there for you at all times. So that said, I have a couple other questions um, that I want to that I want to jump in for you. So I want you to talk to me about from your perspective. Now you're in school. Right. Like you're 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 not um, you're not unless you're quarantined. Right. You're there every day with your with your peers. So tell us something that has changed since, you know, way long time ago, B.C., like before covid way back in the day, long, long, long time ago. What has changed for you that has been something really positive that you're like, I really am glad that this has happened for my learning experience. So this year in middle school, it, it was really actually pretty good. Um, a lot of paper assignments, I was surprised by that. And like no one really said six feet apart, feet six feet apart, like in lines and all. Another thing was um, no more lines, like no line leaders, no uh, cabooses, like those things. So uh, middle school, the start of middle school was really good because it was just surprising. Uh, it was. I wouldn't say it's better than fifth grade, but it was an upgrade. So, but yeah. that's because you think it's because it's more normal. Yeah, to more you. normal. Yeah. Because so having that day. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, bud. We still have the masks on, but that's fine because everything was usually really normal, and now, yeah. So you're getting some of that routine back that you had that you and you get to spend more time with your with your peers, with your friends, with your 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 colleagues in learning on that. Okay, I appreciate that. All right. Something that was seen that was positive of the changes. I think, yeah, some positivity was- hey, Maddie, come a little bit closer. I'm gonna pull you in, there you go. Oh. <laughs> and, no, keep talking, he um, can't come in anyway. So I think there were tools for me and there's now a sense I'm my mom and I call it the new normal. Masks is the new normal. Six feet or three feet or whatever it is is the new normal. But the tools were kind of this classroom, this class, this teacher, which it felt like there was so much and she prepared us hard to this grade, like we went down. And um the the sixth grade didn't feel as much of an upgrade as it felt like I was moving to another Dr. Freeman class, except multiple Dr. Freeman classes, which there's nothing better than that. I mean, the thing about getting like an upgrade and the best part is the best part is that we still have Dr. Freeman. She's not going to go anywhere. She's not going And she's across the street. So it's not a far walk. It took us like, what, three minutes a day? Yeah, five and three minutes. Three well, minutes. I would say that you were talking about how we actually built closer relationships because of the pandemic teaching. We yeah. built closer relationships, and now I know these different people who are different, but they're the same people that I knew in fifth grade. 
and that's a nice thought because some of them uh, are in my classes, like him. Um, <laughs> they're my friends. Yeah. Um, we have science together, and I just know these people because we've built like strong relationships that we normally do. Yeah, and also uh, following up to that in middle school, you know, as a period of different people. No recess. Yeah, no recess. But uh, in the period of different people, even if you haven't met any, some people in your class might you might have not met them before. So that makes you that lets you like make a uh, good relationships with more friends, and then you have more friends. You can talk to more people. You become more social, which is a good thing because you need that in life to like, succeed. So can I ask you what's um what is a way that you have have found that it's easier to make a friend now because of that? Like what what is something that because before right like maybe somebody moved into your class and you didn't know them before. But um, what's what's some way that you're you're kind of connecting with them? Well, how do you connect to a new student? Um, okay, so maybe you can ask them some of your hobbies, share some hobbies. You can talk about school. You just have a friendly chat with them, and then over time, uh, you keep doing that friendly chat, and that chat becomes into discussion, which becomes into a friendship. So I think it just takes time to be, have a new friend, to become a new friend, to someone. But it, you just gotta work with it. You just gotta stick on to that new friend and just be like, yep, I'm staying with you. <laughs> um, what I found easier was assigned duty. Um, that, no, lots and lots of kids um, hate it. I'm not exactly, they hate kids. Um, but I feel like assigned seating forces people to make friends, but not in a bad way. They get to meet new people and they get to know people this um my new friend Reagan, she is in my literacy class. Um and we sit nowhere near here's me, here is she. Mm -hmm. And um, but she sits in my lunch group. And one day, me and Aaliyah and her, Aaliyah's my friend, um, we started talking. And now we've built this like lunchtime bond and we talk and we sit together, um, and we eat, and it's really fun because those bonds are built by teachers saying names. Teachers showing people that you can be friends, it's okay, it's a good thing. Um, you can meet new people. <laughs> you can meet new people, it's, it's exciting as well. And, and I think one of the reasons why they can talk so fluidly about this is my answer to your question. Um, my principal said we had to do a 15 to 30 minute morning meeting every day, which I had never done before in my career. And I was sitting there thinking, what am I gonna talk about for 30 minutes, five days a week, before I start teaching, like, yeah, I want to get into my like content stories and read aloud, but I realized the importance of the SEL piece for, for this. And so we did a lot of, um, I took from facing history and ourselves had a lot of identity lessons, common sense media talks about rings of responsibilities. We did a lot with different perspectives uh, from different cultures because we all come from different backgrounds and that was really important to be able to see people who were different than us or like us, but represented from what various cultures we learned about people. And we had these really rich conversations in the morning, which then they're able to then carry over to other experiences and connecting because they learned how to do it here in morning meeting. And at the end of every day, we do, which I think you're familiar with, the three A's, where we stand in a circle and talk about things and we appreciate we can share aha moments at the end of our day or apologize for something at the end of our day. And people do not have to go, but they can if they want to. And that sort of closed the day, right? So that way we could leave 
feeling like we have our community and we started with our community and actually in Google Classroom, our morning meeting was called Building Our Community. And we used a Jamboard for a virtual circle so the kids could go around and talk in an orderly fashion with a talking stick. And it's not also building relationships with like uh, friends and all, it's also about with adults and teachers and principals. Because if you build those relationships, then like you can have like friendly chats with them. Like, what if you miss your bus? You and you have you don't know any of the teachers or principals, then it's gonna be a hard time talking to them. But if you make those relationships beforehand, then you'll be right on. You can ask them whatever you want and they'll they'll get it to you. Yeah. It's awesome. Great. All right. So, so can I ask, can I ask one last question? Okay. Yep. One last question that I want each of you to answer and you can be super quick. And then I know you're, you're going to head out for us. But the last question that I have is if you could tell any teacher, any educator, anybody out there in the country, one thing that you hope that they are working on in their classroom to help their students, what would that one thing be? What, what, what would be something that you would share with us out there of like, Hey, your kids want to do this. This is what's really important to us as learners. Try to think about doing something like this. It would be really cool if you, and then fill in that blank for me. So if you need to think about it for a minute, I'll give you that, I'll give you some time. You know? Uh, yeah. All right, go um, ahead, Vihan. So one thing I think uh, other teachers should teach their students is, uh, what, what is it called? Uh, pre presenting, presentation. Presentations, presenting. Okay. presenting to like other people because that's a big thing you need in the real world. If you get a job, you're gonna have to present to like six people, but they're gonna be like your managers, they're gonna be up top. So, like, you need to learn how to present like full voice, eye contact, gestures. And we learned this in with Dr. Freeman in our, our presentations every month. But, um, yes, hold on, I have to give a shout out to Eric Palmer and his PV leg strategy for anyone wondering what. He's talking about Google that. It is great. Carry on. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so I think they should teach you how to do presentations, presenting with like a uh, good focus and what you should be reading. And you shouldn't just be reading off the board the whole time. You yep. should like sometimes memorize a little chunk, look at your audience, read that little chunk, and then go back and look again. So that's uh, that's a you, you know what I love what you said about that is that you make that presentation about something that's important to you because yeah. if you're fired up about it then you get the other people fired up about it instead yeah. if you just read from that board nobody nobody gets inspired by that even if you're like you said even if you're a grown-up and you're asking for a raise and you're talking to your your if you just read your notes they're not going to be as excited and inspired by that so yeah. thank you for sharing that beyond okay Maddie what you got um I'm not sure. Uh, like, question. Oh, the teacher. Yeah. Um, what I would tell teachers is probably prepare yourself, prepare your students, and be ready. Dr. Friedman, when she was defending her um, dissertation, dissertation, um, she was prepared six years uh, before she she had a presentation about. What school would be like if the world shut down? Right? Yes, that was my dissertation before and the pandemic. You're like a fortune teller, I swear. Yep. And um, she was prepared, and the first day of school, the whole um, Google Classroom was set up. Everything was ready. We jumped in. Well, there was huge icebreakers. Hmm. Um, but 
she was prepared. She prepared us. And we were prepared for middle school. We get a lot of homework, but it's basically the exact same amount of homework she gives us. A lot. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, uh, the thing is, other teachers, uh, if you're listening, <laughs> um, the thing is, your students, they want to be seen. They want to be heard. Just like Dr. Friedman let us share ourselves. Um, there was like a but it was sort of a lunch lunch and um there was basically the entire class oh yes um for we went out for recess um so we have recess before lunch yeah and then students in the past have been complaining about the cafeteria it is too loud i don't like to i don't like when people watch me eat i don't like listening to other people chew I just want some quiet time or I want to be able to talk to my friends, but can't because, you know, even before the pandemic, like there were only so many to a table and then you had the anxiety of who was I going to sit with. So Dr. Friedman decided I was going to let kids come back to the classroom for lunch if they wanted to totally up to them. And what happened last year? The whole class stayed back every single yeah. day. Every single and day. same thing this year. First day of school, every kid back and by choice. So the school actually got me a giant trash bucket for my classroom, like that they have in the cafeteria to throw their lunch out. And also, uh, well, I know it's like a little off topic right now, but following up on my Google Slides thing, I think uh, if you're all fired up and ready for a presentation and so excited and optimistic about it, then I think you'll have a lot of courage better and, and a better outcome in your presentation presenting. I love yeah. it. These are so, so such great words. And so what I would love to tell teachers is to empower your kids by using student voice, which is kind of what they're talking about. You know, these are fifth graders. They have their own blog. That's their ELA homework. So instead of giving a worksheet, they write a blog every other week. They have a podcast based on our wordly wise words and talk about life as a fifth grader to their own audience. And what Vihan's talking about is instead of assigning a research project to students to do, I mean, we do have to do our standards and all but I have them doing for the Common Core speaking and listening standards. They get to pick their own question they're wondering about, yeah. research the answer, and then share it with the class. And they do one once a month. So they get to answer about nine questions of theirs. And some of them do it in a slide deck. We had somebody exploding Mentos and soda the other day here. Maddie did it last year and made videos because she couldn't come in. So like, even though these things were things I did pre-pandemic, we did them during the pandemic. I mean, I had kids presenting in their bedroom. I had kids doing a podcast at home and here in a meet, recording on Screencastify and downloading the audio file, right? So you don't have to let that go and just trust your kids because they know what's going on. Just ask and, them. And one more thing uh, for like to call it teachers, just let them open up to you. You should like, so in the first few days, the few weeks of school, they might be a bit, yeah, they might be a little shy to ask you something. But you just gotta open up to them. You just gotta like be like nice and say, uh, if a kid is not uh, participating enough, maybe you can like sometimes call on them. And if you start doing that, maybe they'll get in the mood to try and raise their hand. And if they they do that, you can call on them. And now they're like they're participating every every time. Did it help that I shared stories about me too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would share stories about my life. Like yeah. I wasn't shy about my cancer treatments or about some of the things I had gone through, you know, in, in math class when I was their age or when it was things with friends, you know, and these are things we talked about in morning meeting too. I mean, things that happened to me or things that are happening to them. So 
Kids need to see us as human beings. Yeah, and they just got to open up to you. Right. They have to see well, as a role model and yeah. a good person. The teacher and the student have to have a connection. The teacher has to be like, I see you. And the student has to be like, they are seen by their teacher. They are seen by the person who's going to make an impact on their life. My friend was like, oh my gosh, my teacher is so mean. And I'm like, well, that's because he wants you to do well. And I thought, the first one I saw, I thought that's Freeman. Is that right? Oh, no, I never asked that. No, but like... <laughs> 
Like what's a brave thing you did? What yeah. makes you happy? What makes you angry? Just to get yeah. to know the kids better. And Just I would actually read every one and then address it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes, I, sometimes she put a question under a different day. Oh, and yes. then none of us would notice. And then she and Dr. And then she'd be like, Dr. Uh, you guys uh uh You didn't follow the <laughs> yeah, directions. You didn't follow the read the day. Reading is important, reading yeah, yeah. saves. So and so I, the other thing that I the last thing that I want that I want to share, and then I know I gotta let you guys let you guys head out, is um I I also really hope our our listeners are hearing what I'm hearing, which is that even though you're back face to face now and you didn't get rid of all things technology any more than you when you were virtual, you only did things online, right? Like there's been a nice combination in there to where you, yeah, now you're having like, you're writing, you're reading, you're, you're getting some of that paper time, but you're still also doing some of those same activities, blogging and things like that um, in a technology platform. And so I think it's a really good reminder to all of us out there that it's not an either or. No, it right? just gives more choices for the kids to pick. Like in social studies, they could either do Google Draw or make a physical poster. Yeah. And all yeah. my kids this year chose the physical poster. Last year, kids did one or, you know, did the Google Draw. Because some were home and some were here. But it's and even if they choose that poster, right, they can still take a picture of it and yep. share it with everybody. Like, I think that that's one of those things we have to remember as educators that we yep. don't limit, that we don't, you know, we don't, we don't put... Um, limitations on people or on things just because we feel like it needs to be one way or the other, but no, you know, getting class, that experience. We have class social media ambassadors. So even they could take the picture and then I could post it on our Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. And last thing, um, I also liked how sometimes after lunch, uh, Dr. Kimmon, she'd read us a uh, read Yeah, the read book. aloud never went away. Yeah. It's like, because I think that allowed us to like follow along the book and like see uh, how this book, um, how can you um, see this book when it's read out loud? Do we read the book while you were at home? Mm-hmm. Do we read the book while you were here? Yeah. Or did it matter where you were? No, no. Nope. And something to add, I feel like this place was an entire community. It was a whole like world for yeah. us. It was a bubble. And it was our own personal bubble. But we were together. You know, we're together. What do we say in this group for interviewing uh, us? Thank, uh, thank you. you for interviewing us. Thank you all so very much. This has been hands down my most favorite episode that I to, to date that I've ever recorded. So I really appreciate you all. We need to do this again, right? Like all the time. I think oh, yeah, you guys like I think this should almost be like a re- repeating a repeating. <laughs> they'll talk to you all afternoon. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to say thank you all so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, Thanks for joining us for this episode of Learning Through Uncertainty. Uh, If if you're watching the video of this, you're going to see like the biggest smile from me because I am here by myself, so I don't have a mask on. I hope these guys have 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 smiles on behind. I can tell them. I can see. I can see their eyes. Oh, there we go. There we go. They snuck them in for me. But thank you all so much for sharing your experiences. I know I learned so much from y'all and I cannot wait to see the magic that you continue to create. So thank you so much. And we will chat very soon. Thank you. I have one thing to add. I have a question for everybody listening or watching this. Um, If you could think of one word to describe your world, your community, your family, what would it be? Yep. And that's your, that's your question, I guess.
Very good. So we'll put that question out there and we'll see what responses we get. And we're going to tag, we're going to tag Dr. Job. Friedman so that we can do some survey. Look at that, man. You yeah. have, you had an awesome teacher who has helped you all with, with really understanding how things work. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Despite our good intentions, 2020 helped us clearly see that while each day brings a multitude of uncertainties, future ready leaders are leaning into those opportunities, leading necessary changes to address inequities and learning through uncertainty. Learning Through Uncertainty is hosted by me, Brianna Henneke Hodges, National Faculty for Future Ready Schools. In each episode, we'll connect with future ready instructional leaders and learners as they share their expertise, advice, and experience reimagining teaching and learning to better suit today's learners with tomorrow's techniques. Together, we'll reimagine possibilities, renew communities, and reinvigorate pedagogical practices. Together, we'll redesign environments, recalibrate services, and reconnect purpose, passion, and practice. Subscribe and listen to Learning Through Uncertainty wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Learning Through Uncertainty and Future Ready Schools are projects of all for ed, because together we're better, and together we're future ready.